This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Texas Rangers. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by Evan Grant. We have no David Moore today. We have less more. We have less more. Did you know that I had a boss once uh, and I worked at Penny's? His name was Les Moore. Was it Les Nesman? No, it's not Les Nesman. Wait a minute. You worked at Penny's? I worked at Penny's. Wow. So uh, first I started off in the, the the nursery there, and then they sent me over to the shoe department. The plant nursery, not the kid nursery. <laughs> uh, I worked there part of the time while I was in college until I got a job at a, at a newspaper and the Pasadena Citizen, and away I went. Les Moore was his name. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Um, Les Moore. Um, we are off to a roaring start. What are we talking about? We're talking about the Rangers. Let's talk about Tom Fox. Let's talk about Tom Fox, our photographer, who um, I want to hug and also <laughs> smack. Oh, my gosh. In case you don't know, Tom Fox was uh, down at uh, the, the Earl Cabell building uh, yesterday. Is it Cabell? It's not Cabell. It's, it's not like Cabell. Enos. No, it's not Cabell. like Enos, no. Okay. And uh, he was there to shoot something else. Uh, he was there for a trial. He was going in for a trial. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he went back outside for something. I think I, what I read was Tom was standing in line. We, uh-huh. we, can't, we can't get in with our cameras, so he was – sitting at that door waiting for somebody to walk in oh is that what it was that's that's brian our producer brian ellidge uh so uh so he was waiting there and then he and then he saw uh, what he thought was somebody down there and looked like he, he had a gun and he stepped outside is that as i understand it and and shot a few frames of this guy he was leaning he had picked up something he couldn't tell what it was he thought it was his, his the clip for the uh, ar-15 i guess that he was carrying and if you look Close up on that picture. If you, he is looking directly at Tom as Tom takes the picture, uh, and then Tom turned and ran as he said, and then he said, "I didn't want to be shot in the back, so I turned and 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 stood behind one of the uh, recesses of the Cabell building there, and then he said, then I just prayed that he wouldn't walk past me and shoot me, and as you can see in, in a picture." Um, that someone took from a building, and I think it's also on a video. It's a video. Uh, they're looking down at uh, uh, at the scene. Uh, the shooter is shooting out the glass doors, and the, and the glass doors are probably ten feet from where Tom is standing. It's it's a it is a terrifying picture, and I can't imagine what was going through Tom's mind as all that was happening. I can't either, and it's um I, I hate to. You know, it's unfortunate that we have to, like, we tout 
powerful images because there's potential tragedy. Oh, there. absolutely. But, um, there are two things about this photo, and you really need to be on our website if you haven't seen it, and I'm sure you will see it the world over, um, that really stand out. One is um, the shooter, um, you, you can see the look in his eyes, and there's a look of, it's almost, you look at the eyes, you know, he's kind of covered up by a bala, uh, balaclava, as I like to call them. Balaclava. Um, I love those. But those are great. His eyes are uh, are visible, and you can see what amounts or what looks like some degree of confusion, uncertainty, uh, maybe even fear. And he almost looks, you know, humane in that picture. And then you start reading about this guy, and yeah, it's terrible. Um, and then the second part is, and and you know, I I I, I know photographers at baseball games. They basically put their their camera on a spot and try and click off as many frames as they can so it's not like you're asking somebody to pose i mean that's basically what tom did he snapped off a couple of frames one of the in the frame that's in the paper is uh and, and online is you can see the shooter also uh reflected Reflection. in the uh, marble of the building and it, it's just uh it, it's a um it's a very very powerful image um that uh i i'm proud to say that Tom was able to get that. I'm. He I, also I wanted to box his ears because I want to say, please don't put yourself in harm's way. <laughs> no, I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, it's a funny thing. I, I've worked here a long time and I have worked with a lot of great photographers and, and I don't know why it is at the Dallas morning News we've had so many, we won so many Pulitzer prizes. I've, I've gone to Olympics and seen the, the, the links that these guys would go to to set up shots is just unbelievable going, you know, and, and the shots they would come up with and uh, they're, they're climbing up, you know, uh, mountainsides uh, to set up things. And, uh, and, and uh, they would go, you know, hours before I would leave to go to an event, they would go just so they could get this stuff already, you know, and prepare for this one shot they really wanted and uh, just beautiful, unbelievable work that they have done and been poignant and, and memorable. Uh, and, and Tom's just another, uh, link in that chain. You know, he's, uh, the, the, he'll, he'll want a Pulitzer prize for this. And it is just, uh, I, but I, I like, I hate reducing it to that. Because here's the thing that Tom's, he's not thinking about a Pulitzer prize. When Tom's shooting that picture, he's thinking I'm doing my job. This is my job to get this shot. And that's why I've, I've seen some people saying, well, he, he and yeah, I mean, look, we all are concerned about his safety and, and people are saying, well, it was a dumb thing. It was this, it was that, 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 that is, um, I think the thing that separates so many, um, uh, photojournalists, um, from the rest of the world is they know that they're in a place where they get a once in a lifetime image that can resonate with people and they tend to like put their their personal safety and and their well-being second and i don't i i think you know today if you talk to tom he'd say boy i wish i had not put myself in in harm's way but i i don't know that those that those guys and, and and women would would change anything when they when they have that opportunity to to take a shot whether it's you know some of the stuff that we shot um of hurricane harvey two years ago um, or Katrina 12 years ago, you know, or 14 years ago mm-hmm. now. I mean, it, people will put themselves in a position to get a shot that will evoke emotions and 
make people really feel like like they're seeing unfortunately usually it's the horror or the tragedy or the um uh or or in some situations the passion of the event so well and there's you know listen there's a number of things here that good could have been done by this let's you know Tom taking this image, maybe that maybe that would have helped in some way in an investigation. You know, who, who knows what could have happened at, at the events not turned out as they did. And let's face it, Tom was right in the the middle of all of it to begin with. You know, he 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 squeezed off a couple of frames and then ran. Right. It's not like he ran to it and right. and then stuck his head in it. He was already there. And so. I, you know, I you know you're if you're standing there and all of a sudden a guy t- comes around the corner with a gun. Um, yeah, you, you do have two situations. You try and shelter anywhere you can, and he's sheltered behind a, a column, or you run down the street, and you do leave yourself open to be being shot in the back. That, and that's and, what he thought, yeah. And so um, I, I, it's stupid of us to sit here and dissect this because— It is? Stupid? Yeah, it is. Because, I, I mean, <laughs> hopefully we're never in that situation, but I, I, I applaud him for doing his job. Um, in, Tom, did, in, Tom did his job. In, in such a— um, dramatic fashion um and i just hope that he never has to make another decision about do i take a shot here or do i run for my life yeah for sure all right all right so now baseball now baseball yeah okay how come you weren't working yesterday by the way i don't know (laughs) (laughs) week on the road flight canceled on sunday night oh man i had a good um I, i don't know if you're aware of this but uh i flew kind of a uh I made a seven in my flight pattern yesterday. I flew, the American routed me from Cincinnati to LaGuardia and then to Dallas. Well, you know, LaGuardia is a lot nicer now than it used to be. (laughs) (laughs) I would wait until September when I have to go to see the Rangers and Yankees to find that out. But yes, there are some nice, there are some very nice areas. But if you're trying to get from one part of the new terminal Mm -hmm. to the old terminal, Good luck finding yeah. any signs or directions that point you that way. Yeah, you know, we were just in New York recently, and it took us from the Avis where we checked in our car, and then when we rode over to the terminal, it took us an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. it's a mess. Yep, 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 yep. A mess. So, so that's why I didn't work yesterday, okay. Kevin. All right. okay. That's okay. Uh, so the Rangers won again. They did, and um, uh, you know I can't emphasize enough this this stretch of thirty six games that began with the with the trip to to Boston and Cincinnati. Um, as as I've said, you know twenty one of those games are against contenders. It takes this team up to July twenty first, and I really think that the Rangers will will sit back and watch a significant amount of this schedule. The Rangers front office, I should say, yeah, will sit back and watch a significant amount of of this time before determining which direction this club wants to go. And I, I still think that there's there's a lot of decision to be made as to whether um, they potentially try and add. Um, and the only thing I think they would add would be a controllable starter, somebody who's got multiple years of of, uh, of control. Um, or do they, if they if they start to scuffle a little bit against some of these contenders, and so far they haven't, you know, against Boston and Cleveland, they are um, they're three and two to this point. So um, if they do scuffle, if they do fall perilously behind in the wild card race, do they consider? all options in terms of trades and 
Listen, I, I think we've both been – you've been very much in favor of, of considering an extension for Mike Miner, and I think that's very much something the Rangers uh, are considering in, in the next month. But I think you also have to be prepared that if somebody comes to you, if the New York Yankees now with, with a need for a starter and clearly going all in, if they offer you a significant package um, – then you have to be prepared to say, okay, is this is this the best course of action for where this team is at, at the present time? So I, I still think there's a lot to be decided about which direction the Rangers go in, but they, and I will just add this, you know, the Rangers did what they needed to do on that road trip. Mm-hmm. Um, they split in Boston where they hadn't won three years. Could have won all four. Um, they had a winning road trip at four and three, but the dose of reality here is despite all that, they lost a game in the standings to both Boston and Cleveland at the end of that road trip, and they were tied for the American League wild card race, for the second American League wild card. And my point on that is Boston and Cleveland were built to make the playoffs this year. Uh-huh. The Rangers were built to keep building. And so those teams are going to be coming. You know, those, those teams are coming for you. Um, and, and the Rangers have got to take advantage of every opportunity to – to create, I don't want to say even a gap, but they've got to create uh, enough position for themselves where in the middle of July you can sit back and look and say, this team's still legitimately a wild card contender. Can I talk now? Yes. Man, that was some real monologue. You've been worked up, haven't you? I think it's an important, I I, I really think that there's a lot that, that's still to be determined can about I, this team. Can I, but in the end, that wasn't an invitation for you to start talking again. Well, it was a question. <laughs> it should have just been a yes or no. From now on, when I ask you a question, it's a yes or no. No. <laughs> here's here's the thing about this, about this Rangers team. Because, you know, I, I like to compare across sports. You know, when we look at the Mavericks when they were making the playoffs and, and what we what we came to say about that guy, because I guess we just got so used to them making the playoffs, was that ah, if they're going to be a one-and-done, we're not interested. You know, we want to see, see this team dive deep into the playoffs or retool, rebuild, and, and come up with a contender that's going to really make a difference. Just getting, getting in and out of the playoffs is not enough. And I'm watching the Rangers play, and, and I'm thinking, yeah, this looks like a team to me that, that could be fun to watch and win some games, but it gets in the playoffs. It, it just doesn't have enough pitching to, to, to get you anywhere. And Not at this point. No, no, no it doesn't. And, and, and I don't know that they can do that even if they make trades. I want to I clarify on the, you know, on the thing about Mike Miner because obviously that was over a month ago, I, I guess, when I wrote that about him, is that it's not just about this year for me with Mike Miner. It's Correct. about next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. And that's why I think you'd continue, even, you know, depending on where you are, you'd even if you're, you know, like you were with in the Cole Hamill situation, if you feel you can go out and get a controllable starter, but you are ahead of, of where you thought you would be in the rebuilding phase, yeah, then that's something you consider. But also, just remember, Houston ain't going anywhere. No, and that and, and that's a that's a real issue there uh, with the Astros. You know, you you know, in this division in the West, you're you're competing for the wild card, and you're probably competing for the wild card for the next three or four years. You know, if, if, barring. Significant injury, guys getting hurt. Uh, I, I think. Look, I think there's out. an opportunity. You've, here's what you've got to be willing to do. You can't just bet that the Astros are going to fold. You're going to have to beat the Astros. Oh yeah. And yeah. and so I, you know, you can do that with a new revenue uh, stream coming online next year. 
with the possibility of potentially taking a guy like Cole and adding him to your rotation. Garrett Cole. And subtracting him from the Astros rotation. Or, or Justin Verlander retiring finally if he ever burns out, which doesn't seem apparent. But, I mean, there, there are opportunities. You're just going to have to be willing to say, we are going to match you. Not the idea that we're building and you're going to fall. Right. You have to be willing to say, we're willing to take whatever the costs are and the investments that we need to to go toe-to-toe with the Astros. Yeah. And that's going to be really difficult, uh, you know, the, 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 because the things that are, that are going to happen to the Astros are that, one, they, they have not had – they've had more success than the Rangers uh, at developing their own pitchers, but not a lot more. And they've had, they've had a lot of trouble holding on to their pitchers. Uh, they've had um, – and they have and, – and these guys, if Garrett Cole – they have to re- – everybody just assumes that, oh, well, somebody else will re-sign Garrett Cole. I don't know who his agent is. Who Do you know? Uh, I mean, if it's if it's Boris, then I could see that uh, him maybe going someplace else. Um, but, you know, I would think <laughs> that that would be a priority for the Astros, right? we got to re-sign Garrett Cole because how much longer is Justin Verlander going to be able to do this? Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that – there's some real issues uh, for them going forward. That yeah, it is Boris. I thought it was, you know, because he went to he went to Orange Lutheran, um, which is the same high school that uh, Cole Wynn graduated from. Oh. Um, and I, I knew he was an Orange County kid. So this is gonna, you know, so maybe he will take him someplace else. That's kind of his history. So we'll we'll see uh, if that actually happens. But um, yeah, a lot of a lot of things have to happen here. Um, also, the point is, though, too, that as we've said about the the Mike Miner thing, um, I got to be pretty convinced on on prospects, you know, uh, because the, the issue here is prospects that, coming back. Yeah, prospects coming back is that because the issue here is we we know who Mike Miner is, right? And, and but you uh, also know Mike Miner's going to be thirty one this year. I know, I know, but I'm but look, you know, I'm, and I'm not saying he's Justin Verlander, but how old is Justin? Thirty six. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's and look, he's he's different. But I'm I'm saying that that uh, there's not a lot of miles on on Mike Miner's arm. Uh, my my one concern about him right now uh, is that other than that one eight inning uh, performance he had two starts ago, he has not gotten into the seventh inning, or he's not gotten past the seventh inning. I should say in his last what eight starts, nine starts, one time maybe in his last eight or nine starts. Uh, he pitched eight in Boston the other night. So. Well, just, that's what I just said. Yeah, you weren't listening to that part. No, I. Uh, but that, what I'm I was. But I mean, that's you know, so he's had one start since then. So no, no, okay. I said one time in his last eight or nine starts, he's had uh, a, an eight inning performance, uh, and uh, and not even. And I'm saying he hasn't gotten a full seven except for that one time, uh, and so that's a concern a little bit. If, if a guy's really your number one. Then he's getting giving you seven or eight innings, uh, pretty pretty regularly. Uh, so that's a a little bit of a concern for me right there. But uh, even in those games, he's still pitching well. He just he's mm-hmm. just taking too he's many just pitches. Using too many pitches. Yeah. So, uh, but and look, he's not ever had the pitch load like he's putting on himself this year. So yeah, we'll, that's we'll also see. a consideration. Sure, it is. These are all considerations. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is is that. This is a guy who's who's close to being something, and other than when they've had, other than when Darvish has been really good, or when uh, Cole Hamels was really good, um, when have we seen pitchers on this team consistently be really close like this? I mean, there have been guys that have been have been 
very effective, uh, but but not to not to this extent, I don't think. So so for me, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm going to take a chance on uh, I'm going to take a chance on Mike Miner, I believe, uh, because I don't know that you know coming back that someone is going to offer you exactly what you're talking about. I mean, if if you're talking, I mean, at this point, what do you think Mike Miner commands? On the free agent market? Or no, 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 market? no, trade market. I, I don't, I don't know because look, I mean, the guy that's out there, um, that is the is the bona fide ace is Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, but he's also a rental. Yeah. Um, with Mike Miner, you'd get him for this year and for next year, and at a very affordable cost for next year in terms right. of salary. Um. You know, what if, if the Mets make somebody like Syndergaard available? You know, I mean, how does that change the marketplace? Um, I think the Rangers are in a very good position right now with Mike Miner one way or another. They're either yeah. going to – I think the only thing that the Rangers – where the Rangers could potentially err would be to not capitalize one way or another. And I don't want to – You mean by capitalize, you mean by go ahead and extend him. Either – I think right now you have to make the evaluation that you're going to extend him because if you go into next year, I don't know how willing this guy's going to be to do an extension at that point in time that might be a, a two-year or three-year extension. Yeah. Um, he might be wanting to play the, the full market at that point. Um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. I think they do need to make a decision uh, this year about him and what they're going to do. Because, and because, just what you said, the market won't be as good for him if you try to trade him next year. You know, who's going who's gonna to want to trade for him at that point if he's just a rental? So, uh, yeah, I do think a decision will have to be made. I, I think, how much do you think this has changed? And of course, you know, these are things that people won't tell you, honestly. Since, since spring training. How much would you say that uh, that uh, this is the way this club has played, the way that Miner has pitched, has been a surprise to to management? I think he's exceeded their expectations, um, because save for the innings, um, and you you know if he had look, he's he's averaging. Um, He's averaging right at six innings a start, right. you know, and and I think with a with a legitimate ace, you'd you'd prefer closer to seven. Sure. Um, with the exception of the innings, I mean, the guy has been he's been really really strong, and you know, if I go back again and update stats for um, for the time since last year's uh, All Star break. He's one of the top five pitchers in the American League, if not all of baseball. Um, he's been really, really good. And so, yeah, he's, he's surpassed what their thoughts were. Yeah. Here's the other thing about this to, to, for me, and, and, uh, and I, uh, I said that when I wrote the column about keeping him, is that, look, maybe you make a mistake extending him. You know, maybe you make that mistake. But in my estimation, better to make the mistake – and giving him a, give him another two or three years that that turned out not to be a good deal, than to make the mistake that you traded him and he went on and continued to pitch like he is now for the next four or five years, and then to me you uh, then then the mistake is that 
you know, not only are you going to take all the shots from the media and fans are saying you can't find a pitcher and then you just traded one away. You had one and you got right. rid of him. I mean, that, that makes you look like an idiot. It's hard enough to find pitching, uh, but when you have it and you let go of it, you know, that's another. I mean, they, they made, a, they made a, a decision on Darvish, you know, when they traded him. I don't know that they got uh, enough in that deal uh, for Darvish. Uh, but I'll say this, he hasn't really, he hasn't burned them. That, that, that decision hasn't come back to haunt the Rangers. It's probably haunting the Dodgers a little bit. It's haunting the, the Cubs a little bit. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, and then also the Cole Hamels trade, he was very good when they traded him. Um, I haven't kept up with his stats as much this year. Um, but I don't know that, that, and they didn't get very much at all out of that. Uh, out, out of the hand. They got nothing. The Cole Hamels trade, they got nothing out of. Yeah. So they. Which was, I, 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 I think that was a disappointing return, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, but they didn't have to pick up the the money on Cole Hamels either. So they saved themselves some money. The best you could say about that deal was they saved themselves some cash. They saved themselves from keeping him under, under contract for this year. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they'd. I don't know if that's a plus or a minus. You know, they would have. Well, they would have been a lot better. Yeah, they would. You know, they would have had twenty million dollars uh, that they would have either had to pay Cole Hamels or pay him six million dollars to walk away. Um, but they did not get much much of a return in the Cole Hamels deal at all. No. So I mean, at that point, they were. I I think that was a complete. Well, we're just trying to dump some salary, basically. Yeah. And it it, it was not a good return. So what are, what is Cole's numbers this year? Look that up, would you? Well, and I'll and I'll talk a little more. Uh, well, I was just looking up the last 365 days. Um, Miners got the fifth best ERA in the American League. Yeah, um, two point eight nine. Um, and he's he's. But here's the deal: in those 365 days, he is 15th in the American League in innings pitched. Um, and I, I think to be considered. A, a a real true number one. Here are the guys who are at at a hundred and he's at hundred and eighty innings. Here's the five guys who are at one ninety or above: Justin Verlander, Jose Barrios, Garrett Cole, Brad Keller, Trevor Bauer. Yeah, yeah, pretty good pitchers. There. Sure, that, that, and he's a very he's been a very good pitcher. He just I I think the the next step is going to be. The slightest ability to get deeper, one more, well, one he, or two more outs. He did, especially if with you, the bullpen. If you look at uh, at his outings this year, the first five or six, he was going seven and eight, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden he just hit a wall where he was, you know, for a while there he couldn't get out of the fifth. Well, he went seven, seven, sixth. nine, yeah. six, seven, eight, and since then it's been five, five, six, six, five. Five and two thirds, eight, six and a third. Right, and so so he started out doing great, uh, and I think clearly what has happened is that teams are not biting on some of the stuff that he's throwing now, and uh, and it's causing him to work more, um, and he has to figure out a way. And I think that's that's telling. Uh, you know, that tells you a little bit about the future. Is he going to be able to make an adjustment here? Because clearly, I will say this: he's tied for seventh mm -hmm. in the major leagues in innings pitched this year. Yeah, I mean it's it's not he he hasn't been bad. I'm not saying no. in any stretch. You know, I don't think that no, he's not in the class 
with Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole and, and Trevor. He's, he's not one of those pitchers to me. You know, he's in that next tier of pitchers, you know, uh, that's very close to the top. Uh, certainly clo- would be at the top of this rotation. You know, where there's always that argument, oh, is the guy really an ace or not? I don't know if he's really an ace or not. He's the number one for this club. I, I, yeah, and I think that, you know, if you talk to scouts or evaluators, they would say that in a championship rotation, Cole Hamels is a really good number two right now. We're talking about Cole Hamels. Or we're I mean, uh, Mike Miner. Mike Miner. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think that. And, and look, there's nothing wrong with that. So uh, for for me, that's why it it takes a lot of the pressure off of this organization to go out and find another pitcher to, to develop another pitcher because they got plenty of candidates coming up uh, for for three, four, and five. You know, they don't have any, any that I see on the radar here for one and two uh, over the next three or four years. So, um, this, what's what's the what's the payroll right now? This year it's one thirty. One thirty. What what will it be next year? I don't know exactly what the commitment is, but I expect that they'll go up by. Um, I would I would expect that they'll surpass one fifty next year. Okay. All right, let's let's move on from the pitching. Let's talk about a couple other things here. Uh, you wrote uh, that uh, maybe it's time to consider sending Ronald Guzman down. Uh, well, that was right before Hunter a, Pence got hurt. Yeah, uh, and that pretty much took care of that. But I do think you know you're potentially looking at a situation here now at the end of the week. Gallo comes back. Do you do you run Gallo back out to center field? If you run Gallo back out to center field, then you potentially send the Shields back down. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Shields is 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 getting on base at a at a decent clip. Guzman is struggling. Yeah, um, Guzman's as you pointed out, Guzman's numbers are really no better than Odor's. Not since they both came back from injury, right? Um, do you consider? If, if if you feel like Guzman is struggling and you feel like you've got an opportunity to win a wild card this year, do you consider the possibility of Willie Calhoun in left, Delano to Shields in center, no more Mazzara in right, and Joey Gallo back at first base? That is one bad outfield, pal. It's not a good defensive. Uh, it's not a great defensive outfield by any stretch. But what I'm saying is, are those four bats in your lineup better than uh, Gallo, Calhoun, Mazzara, and Guzman? It is because Odor has been so terrible this year. Mm-hmm. You, to me, you can't have the right well, side that, of your there's another. There's going to be another come-to-Jesus moment here because at some point in time, the Rangers are going to have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And right now, Danny Santana is just clearly outplaying Odor. And you could say that this was um, – you, you could say that, hey, it's been in spotty you know, right. opportunities for a while. But Santana's got – Santana's got 165 at bats right now. You know he's got, he's got uh, a decent number of at bats, and he showed no signs of of slowing down. The one thing here with Santana is he doesn't walk. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, give me give me the slash line there. But look, yeah, I mean his 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 OBP is is average. It's 340. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's better than average. That's pretty good. He's hitting 305. So, yeah. um, you know, I mean, here's the bottom line. Danny Santana's OBP is 343. Mm-hmm. DeShields is 350. Mm-hmm. But that's it's not DeShields versus, versus him. That's My point is, do you have to keep DeShields now that he's getting on base? I, I my think point it, is Santana has an OPS of 
more than 200 points better than Rugnet Odor in a significant number of at-bats. Here's the way I'm looking at this. And, you know, I love this uh, quote from Chris Woodward. And I'm, I'm glad I thought of this because I wanted to see what you think. Uh, in, the, in one of the losses to Boston, I don't remember if it was uh, game three or four, uh, he said, when you're up 6-1, to you've got to win that game. You know, uh, and, and I, I just I love the honesty of that. And I love the, the feeling that, you know, hey, we can we can sugarcoat this any way we want. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here, but we got to win these games. And, and I and I and, and just as you refer to it as the come to Jesus meeting with with Ruggie, at this point in the season, there's been enough times in Ruggie's career where he has struggled. You know, you can make the case that maybe the, the, that one, the 33 home run season was the aberration. You know, maybe, maybe this is just who he's going to be. Uh, and, and at this point, to be fair to everybody, you know, I think, and, and this is an issue also, you know, in, in a clubhouse, um, when, uh, when you assembled a group of players and you're trying to build good faith with them and the new manager, and here's, here's one of the reasons why you change managers is, you know, you're trying to do something for the clubhouse uh, and and put them in a position where they're going to be more successful, and then you don't follow through. Then you just kind of let things linger. You know, it'd be one thing if the if the team really still stunk, right? If, there, if you're still stinking, you're you're not in a the you know the wild card race or anything. Then maybe you stick with Odor at second base. Maybe you stick with Guzman at first base just for a whole year, just to see what they do to dig themselves out. But in this well, that's case, a, that's that's the point. Is that the circumstances have changed? They have changed, but also it's time for a little tough love, you know. And, and it's time to say, listen, this, this, we're sorry, we love you, but this game is all about about your numbers, and your numbers just aren't there. And we we can't have a first baseman and a second. These are two offensive positions, first base and second base, and you are you guys are not producing. And and uh, and you know. That it, it would be a terrible outfield with Willie and DeShields and Mazzara. But at this point, that's what I would do. Uh, I would I would put Gallo back at first. I don't I don't know how crazy he would be about going back to first base. But I, I would put him back there until he really was, you know, you felt like he was really healthy. Uh, and as long as DeShields was producing in center field and Calhoun is doing the same in left field, uh, that's what I'd do. I agree. Well, the only the only qualifier I'll put anything on is this: we're basing evaluations of and Danny Cal- Santana at second base. We're basing ev- evaluations of Calhoun right now on ten games in the big leagues. Yeah, well, year. but but here's the thing about about Willie is that Willie's listen. I don't think anybody's ever questioned the fact that he's going to hit, right? I mean, you know, he he's always hit in the minors. Uh, he's in his. You know, he's had a, a small sample size in the big leagues, but I think everybody thinks he's going to hit. The problem is always going to be where are you going to play him. I thought on that on that really high fly uh, out on the warning track next to the fence yesterday, he looked pretty good on that ball. He, he, he tracked it pretty well, went and got it, looked comfortable going to get it. I thought that was a good sign. Uh, so I, I think there are some signs there with him. And, uh, uh, and you know, listen – the Rangers second baseman next year and the year after that and the year after that is not going to be Danny Santana. Uh, but right now he is, he is playing well enough to play every day. Uh, he, there's nothing about watching him play that doesn't make you think, you know, he's got some pop, he's fast, you know, he plays position well enough. Ruggie had a, re- a really great play yesterday up the middle. It looked, looked terrific. It's just not enough. 
you know, uh, and and he's going to have to figure out what it is uh, that's going to get him or it's going to keep him at the major league level. But at this point in the season, uh, what what he's contributing offensively and what Guzman is contributing offensively, that's just not big league. Agreed. Completely agreed. So, uh, is there anything left you want to talk about with the Rangers? No. I'm You're done? I'm done. You're spent? I'm I'm all over the map right now. You really are. I'm having a hard time here. I'm talking and you're just like, you know, you're it's, talking to people who are walking past, you're ordering lunch, you're you yeah. know, what's what's going on? I mean Brian, you you want to talk to me about the Rangers, Brian? Sure. Okay, good. Well, I'll, I'll just talk to Brian. You go ahead and do whatever it is that you're doing in your little job there, and uh, I'll uh, I'll uh, talk to Brian over here. He's finding different ways he can eat lobster. Lobster, yeah, lobster boy. Uh, if you followed Evan on on Facebook, you got to see all the many different ways that Eb's, Evan ate lobster in uh, Boston. How many how many different kinds of lobster did you have there? How many times did you have lobster? Uh, every day. <laughs> I had four in four days. I had four different lobster preparations. I had a, um, I had a, what I like to term a big ass baked stuffed lobster. Yeah. Um, which is really good, but it's basically a lobster with butter and some breadcrumbs and some Ritz crackers and some shrimp and scallops stuffed inside. Um, and then the next day I had a pan-roasted lobster, which was good. It was served with like a little beurre blanc. I like beurre blanc. Ooh, a little beurre blanc. And some herbs. <laughs> uh, and then the third day um, I, had a, I had lobster roe noodles. And um, I didn't know if I'd be crazy about this, but... The, they take the lobster roe and they infuse it in the pasta that they hand make, and then they serve you a fettuccine, and it's it's kind of orangey in color, but uh, it it just it, it doesn't really impact the flavor in a negative way. It it it, it makes it as the waiter said, it gives it an umami flavor, <laughs> and we know umami is kind of like that somewhere between savory and awful. Um, but Ooh, then there was wow. some lobster meat in there, and it also came with like some short rib and some short rib au jus in there. So it was like a, almost like a surf and turf pasta, and it was great. I got to tell you, it was the best thing I had that week. Wow. And then the last day at a uh, little seafood bar that I found called the Salty Girl, um, I had uh, the traditional lobster roll. The lobster roll was that uh, was that the mayonnaise or the Connecticut one? I had the mayonnaise one. Um, I probably that day, since it was 54 degrees and rainy, I probably should have gone for the Connecticut style, which is just hot lobster meat with butter on bread. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it's summertime and I feel like the lobster salad, lobster roll is the perfect summertime meal. It's refreshing and. Light. I don't. No, it's not light. It's full of mayonnaise. No, it's it, if, up there. It's not. It you, you have a little bit of mayonnaise in there. Well, I asked. I asked you earlier what your cholesterol count was before and after. You said before it was like one twenty something, which is excellent. Yes. Now it's like six hundred. No. Yes, I'm sure it is. No. You need to have that checked out. No. 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 I know mine would be. So I would have been dead by the time I. I wouldn't even have made it back. Wouldn't have made your little seven route from uh, Cincinnati to uh, Dallas. 
It's it was a week, and this will be another week. They're always there. There's lots of weeks here. Yeah. Um, and then next week it's Detroit and Tampa Bay. I will not be having any of the lobster in Detroit. No. Um, no. The lobster that they get out of the Detroit River is um, <laughs> not very good. But I will um, in Tampa. I'm already setting up. Uh, we have an afternoon game in Tampa Bay on Saturday, mm-hmm. and uh, me and the fellas are going to go to Frenchies You're on the in Frenchies. Clearwater. Yeah. Um, the uh, the favorite ever place of our dear departed friend Jerry Fraley, and we're going to host a grouper sandwich to him. Ah, nice. Hoist a grouper sandwich. Hoist, yeah. <laughs> Come on <laughs> in, grouper sandwich. <laughs> well, hello. I'm... <laughs> Oh, I'm Graham the Grouper. You got away with words. Yeah, I really I need to be done away with uh, okay. with my words. But uh, yeah, we're gonna do that. So that would be fun. Yes, I will. I will eat lots of Gulf Coast seafood while I'm in the Greater Tampa Bay. Beautiful, yes. beautiful. All right then. Well, that's gonna do it for our Rangers podcast. Uh, that we've had. Uh, we've talked about Tom Fox, and we talked about eating, and we even worked in a little baseball. So uh, from everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks, and we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.